Hello and welcome to this edition of the Everyman Livestream. My name is Jeremy and I'll be your host today. In today's world, it's so incredible that we can get things in an instant. I mean, think about it. I could pull out my cell phone right now. I could type up a text message and send it in an instant to somebody halfway around the world. And in an instant, they could take that same text message, send right back to me with a reply, pictures, video. We could have a whole conversation and it would happen all in real time. Now here's the problem with this great instant gratification that we have today is that we get so accustomed to it that sometimes we forget, as the old adage says, good things come to those who wait. Sometimes it's better to have more time. Sometimes we need to let things just develop and let time take its course. Research shows that we're bailing out faster. We are quitting quicker and we are not staying true to our commitments because when the going gets tough, we get out of there. And that is not what God wants us, especially for our spiritual lives. So today's session with men's expert and pastor, Kenny Luck, we're starting session one of the Endurance Series. And in this series, we're gonna learn more about what God desires for you to endure through so you can grow in a life of faith. But before we get started, take a moment and share this message with somebody that you know. Now let's join Kenny Luck live from Laguna Hills, California at Crossline Church for session one of the Endurance Series. Happy New Year! Yeah! Here we go! Here we go! Another year. Uh, well, welcome to welcome to the call study. Uh, I'm going to start this morning's uh, new series, the Endurance Series, with a little question. How many of you guys have ever gotten into something where you're not sure you were going to finish? Anything? A venture? A race? Anything like that? Um, the first mountain bike race that I ever did was called the Warrior Society. And that'll give you like an idea. My best friend Paul said, hey, I want to do this race. It's called the Warrior Society. I'm like, yeah, okay, let's do it. And I had no idea how physically demanding uh, it would be. Um, you start off in Black Star Canyon to the left of Majeska Peak. And then you start crawling your way up to about 4,500 feet and get up to the top of that. And then you come all the way down. And then you get to climb all the way back up to the top of Saddleback Mountain. And then you get to come all the way down again, riding some very tired legs. So it's 44, 44 miles and about 9,000 feet of elevation. So, you know, you got to kind of think these things through before you say yes. Amen? Uh, golly. And I remember, like, starting off, and everybody was jacked at the start, and everybody's together at the start, and about halfway through, I was by myself. I was by myself in between the saddle and saddleback and really questioning my sanity. Just like, I admire your courage. Kenny, you ever have those internal conversations? Man, I really admire your courage and your willingness to do this, but I really question your sanity. Because you're out there, and it's just you and the trail and your bike, and, and the next hill you have to climb is way bigger than the one you just did. And you're just like, if I get off my bike, my legs are going to cramp and seize, but if I stay on it, I'm going to have to go up that hill. So you got a choice to make. Anyway... So uh, about halfway through the race, it was a war of mind and body and soul, and you just have to have that internal conversation, right? Right? 
You just have to have a little meeting with yourself, and you got to say, keep pedaling. Keep pedaling. Keep spinning. And I remember just telling myself, keep spinning, keep spinning, keep spinning, keep going, keep going, keep going. And, um, you know, I'm telling you the story. I wouldn't tell you a story like that if I didn't finish. Uh, We'll just leave that one in the box, (laughs) right? But I'm telling you the story because I did. And uh, in a spiritual walk with Jesus, you're going to be tempted to give up. I guarantee you, there's going to be times when God asks you to do things that you're not going to want to do, that you're tired of doing. And you're going to go, man, I got into this and I had a lot of energy and it was like I was on a solid rocket booster and it was so exciting and now I'm in the middle of my journey. And what am I going to do now? Because this is hard. God's calling me to do some hard things and I I have to endure. And, And if you get into a relationship with Jesus Christ, and you think that you're not going to have to fight, you're sadly mistaken. Because it's a fight, amen? It's a fight to stay committed in any relationship, right? And when we look at the Bible, we see the great men of God have this fight. And can I just say something? Some of you are like deep in it right now. Whether you're listening to me online or whether you're in the room, you're in it right now. Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe you're in a big fight and Jesus is just saying, guess what, you're staying in this thing and you're going to stay committed and you're going to work it out and you're going to do some hard things. Or maybe it's just, you know, your career or maybe it's your finance. I don't know what area of your life you are battling to endure in your faith in, but God's here and I'm here to tell you, do not give up. Let's read from... 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, as we get started with the endurance series, because we're going to make the case for endurance this morning, and then I'll tell you what's coming later on. All right, let's read uh, 2 Timothy 4, 7. Ready? I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Man, I'm glad that there's a great man of God who struggles to finish, and that's the Apostle Paul. I'm so glad he didn't say, I fought the good fight. I sort of finished, I abandoned, and I gave up the faith. Yeah, that's not why it's in Scripture. But this guy, he fought his way to the end, and so are we. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24, we've got this image of a race. Okay, and you've got to have that in your head. Right? The Bible uh, puts, puts our journey with Jesus into kind of not the form of a sprint, more like a marathon. You've got to get to the end. And in 1 Corinthians 9, 24, it says this. Let's read it together. Ready? Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. And uh, it's not in your notes, but I would make a reference to Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14, where Paul just says, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet, but I'm going to lay hold of that for which Jesus took hold of me. And I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And so we have to define what's at the end of the race. And what's at the end of the race is a statement by Jesus that says, well done, good, and yeah, it's being faithful. What does endurance look like? It looks like faithfulness, right? It looks like faithfulness. You know, you run your race, I run my race. We're running it to the end, but it's not the same. You have different challenges, and so we're all trying to get the prize 
to press on to lay hold of that for which Jesus took hold of you. Right? And so let's unpack some facts about endurance. Write this down. No man fights to start his race. I mean, when you're offered forgiveness of your sin, purpose for living, home in heaven, every spiritual blessing, I mean, who doesn't want to start that race? Right? It's all good, right, at the beginning. And you're just like, man, this is amazing. Right? But then every man fights to finish his race. Write that down. No man fights to start the race, but every man will fight to finish his race. And then kind of a third fact, no man plans to give up. Otherwise, why would you start? I wasn't out there at 5 a.m. in the morning with 161 riders going, I really want to quit in the middle. All right? No, it's the whole challenge of, man, I'm going to see if I got what it takes. I'm going to see if I, I finished this thing. Right? So, no man fights to start his race. Every man fights to finish the race. No man plans to give up or else he wouldn't start. And then lastly, every man's faith will be tested. You're going to be tested. And here's the deal. When you get tested, it's uncomfortable. And when it's uncomfortable, it doesn't feel good. And when it doesn't feel good, you want to feel better. But guess what? It doesn't always feel better when you want it to feel better. No one signs up for discomfort, but when you're in a race, you have to make your peace with some discomfort, right? You kind of got to get your mind around, okay, this is going to be uncomfortable for a little while, all right? And I just got to make my peace with that, and I got I to gotta run. Um, you know, in our thinking, we just, it's, it's over the long haul. I think uh, traditionally men have the label of great starters, bad finishers, all right? We're just like, we get excited about something, and we're jacked up, and it looks sexy, and it's going to be great, and then we get into the middle of it, it's like, uh-oh, uh-oh. Not sure if I want to. And then we, then we start rationalizing why we, ah, uh, you know, I just don't have the time, or, oh, uh, you know, I, I didn't sign up for this, or, you know, we start rationalizing, justifying, excusing, or worse, accusing the other people who are in our race with us for us not finishing, okay? And that's what's called spiritual battle. Now, when we get into that whole self-deception thing, all right, I want, I want to remind us of some truths from Galatians chapter 6, all right? I'm going to start it and you're going to finish. The Bible says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please the flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Now let's finish it together. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not. Yes. So we're in it for the long haul, right? It's a race. It's not a sprint it's more like a marathon, and we need to finish. But don't deceive yourself in the middle of the race. Don't rationalize giving up. Don't justify giving up. Don't blame others for you giving up. It's your race. You run it, and we need to run it together. So we're going to unpack this whole thing of God's mind on our endurance. And in part one, we're going to talk about the case for endurance, why you need it, how to pursue it. And then in part two, we're going to talk about 
kind of the elements of the keys to endurance, like how being lighter in a race, running a race lighter is better because you can go further. We're going to talk about how hope in a race is essential, how hope is huge, how encouragement is essential, like when you're running a race, just being encouraged, and then how eternity supplies the energy when you're in a spiritual race, how it pulls you through. But let's unpack God's mind on my endurance. And the first thing we got to learn about how God thinks about endurance is that God's man needs endurance. This morning, if I could give you anything in your walk with Christ, I think I'd give you endurance. If I could wave a wand and go, all right, what do, we, what do they need? I'd go, endurance. Because it's, you're, you're being tested. All right, look what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10. Let's read it together. Ready? For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. I want you to circle need of endurance and done the will of God. What do I need endurance for? Well, the Bible says you need endurance in doing the will of God. Because you're going to get tested and you're going to get tired and you're going to not want to do the will of God. So just like I had that conversation inside myself, keep spinning, keep spinning, keep spinning, keep spinning. I had to keep pedaling. You need to keep doing the will of God, even when you don't feel like it, even when you don't see a result, even when you can't see the outcome. You need to keep obeying those commands, believing those promises, understanding those truths, and claiming those truths, even though your feelings might go, why are you doing this? You have need of endurance, right? And the first reason why you need endurance is that is it's going to get it's going to get tiresome. Uh, you're going to feel tired, and you're going to feel like doing God's will. At some point, you're going to make a case for not doing it. All right. Secondly, we need endurance because everybody else out there is either giving up or not even in the race. Right? Look at what it says in Matthew 24. Let's read it together. Ready? Sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. You see, when you're in an operating environment where the majority is not in the same race that you're in, and then the people that you're running with, all of a sudden they start dropping off, that starts communicating to you. It starts sending you a message of like, well... I don't see anybody else running around here with me. That's why this is so powerful, right? We're with other guys who are in the race. We're kind of in this little pack, you know, together. We're running with each other. We're encouraging each other. We're trying to get each other light, you know, for the race. You know, we're reminding each other of our hope and finishing, and we're sharpening each other to stay in it. But you're, you need endurance because you're in a culture a, where broad is the path and wide is the way that leads to destruction, and there's only a few of us who are running this race. And it's really tempting in the middle of all of it to just kind of go, mm. And then we see that there's people around us who've given up. The, their love has grown cold, all right? So we need to kind of stay with each other and burn, burn hot together, all right? So that's first. God's man needs endurance. Secondly, God's man pursues endurance. It's an interesting thought. We pursue a lot of things. We, we, we put our energy into a lot of things, all right? We pursue careers, all right? And we pursue wealth. We pursue relationships. 
In the spiritual life, you know what you need to pursue? Endurance. Look at what it says in 1 Timothy 6, 11 and 12. That's the reference there. It says this, but you, man of God, everybody say man of God. So there's the identity, right? And now we're going to look at how that identity commands certain energies, right? So man of God is the idea. But you, and it's a contrast, there's other kinds of men who are doing other things. But then there's, but you, man of God, that's the identity. Now we're going to look at where the man of God puts his energy. But you, man of God, flee from all this. Stop. Now, you have to understand who this was written to. It was written to Timothy. He was a pastor in Ephesus. Ephesus was like the Las Vegas of the first century. There was a lot of pursuits he could have gone after. And, uh, but as a man of God, he has to say no to these pursuits and go after these pursuits. Right, so that's why there's this, this juxtaposition of you got to say no to what you see here. And so, but you, man of God, identity, where's your energy go? Well, you got the man of God says no to certain things, and it says this, and pursue. Okay, what's next? Where am I putting my energy in this race? Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance and gentleness. So Paul identifies these end zones of the faith, right? It's where we want to be. Okay, if you're a football team and you're on the field, where do you want to be if you're on offense? In the end zone, right? Because that's where the celebration is. That's scoring. Scoring is significant, all right? So if you're in a race, you want a result. And Paul's saying, you know what? In your race, Timothy, you're a man of God, You're supposed to say no to this during your race, and you're supposed to pursue these things. And one of them uh, is endurance. And then he kind of pours it on. He says, fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were what? Called. Circle that. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have a life that you're called to live. All right? It's not the life that you think you ought to live or that you think you deserve to live. It's the life you're called to live. And a lot of times, that life you're called to live is at, is at odds with the life you think you should be living or that you feel you're entitled to live, all right, where you have to say no to yourself to say yes to God, all right? So Paul is really pouring it on. It's like, man, you're going to have to say no to temptation, you're going to have to say yes to God, and you're going to have to pursue godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness, and it's going to be a fight, and you're going to have to really take hold, and what's the opposite of take hold? Okay? You're really going to have to take hold versus let go of your identity and what your identity calls you to do, right, if you're going to finish the race. All right, so we have to pursue endurance. Next, God's man runs with endurance. God's man runs with endurance. I go to this gym three days a week, and there's either, it's either an endurance day, a power day, or a strength day. And can you guess which day Kenny Luck hates the most? Endurance day. Because I know that you're going to be running on the treadmill for 23 minutes straight. Okay, and some of the guys are here, they go to my gym, and they know. I mean, I'm looking at I'm, this guy right here. We see each other, and it's just kind of like when the coach comes out, they're just like, all right, everybody, we got an endurance day, and everybody's just like, oh, no, because you know that you're going to have to run nonstop for 23 minutes, 
And then you're going to have to run slow, then they're going to make you run fast, then they're going to make you run slow again, then they're going to make you run fast again. But the, the bottom line is that you're not stopping, all right? And you have to, it's a different than a, a power day or a strength day. Your mentality in endurance is just like, well, I better not start off too fast. I kind of got to get a rhythm, okay? You're kind of having this conversation with yourself, just like, okay, I got to think differently. My mindset is different. Now, the Bible encourages the same thinking in the spiritual life, all right? Look at what it says in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And let's pause for a second on that, all right? It means the Bible's just saying, I want you to finish. I want you to finish. It's one thing to get excited. It's another thing to endure. Okay? Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So Jesus himself had to have a mentality and posture of endurance to get through to the end and finish it at the cross. He announces his public ministry. Everybody's excited. No one teaches with this much authority. Who is this guy? How is he so wise? How come he's doing all of these things? And all of a sudden, the notoriety starts coming. But then Jesus is, 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 is kind of course correcting as he's in this, this journey to Calvary to die. And so he has these interactions where he's like, hey, don't tell anybody what I did. He's like metering some of the activities that he's doing so that it doesn't go too fast. And he's settling in. He's like, I got to get to there. It's not about just here. I got to get to there. He's running with endurance, this intense race that is before him. Why? For the joy set before him. And you know what that was? was you. Isn't that incredible to think about? That Jesus runs his race with endurance because on the other side of him finishing is your salvation and my salvation and my forgiveness and your forgiveness and my redemption and your redemption. So he's running with endurance. You know what's on the other side of your endurance? Same things for the people in your life. Wow. Yeah. So we run with endurance. Number four. God's man is tested to produce endurance. You know when you have a tough experience and you get through it, the next experience, which isn't as tough as the experience that you just went through, you're just like, eh, I can handle that, right? That's like after I did the Warrior Society race, there was like no mountain bike race or trail. I just like, eh. After Warrior Society, it's just like, oh, I can do that. Right? Your mentality changes, right? You're just like, oh, if I, if I can do that, then I can do this. Right? Same thing is true in the spiritual life. All right? Look what it says in James 1.3. Let's read it together. Ready? Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces... Mm. Wow. I don't know about the whole joy thing. I really struggle with that. You know, being tested, but I understand it. I don't have to like it, but I understand it. I understand that when I'm going through a delay, a difficulty, a trial, and a temptation, that I'm being tested, and as I'm being tested, I'm being trained, and as I'm being trained, my base level 
of endurance is rising. Amen? Okay, we all get that, right? So in the spiritual life, being tested is not a bad thing if you want to endure. All right? So God's going to run you into these situations where you have to say yes or no to your commitment to him. Then he's going to run you into the next situation. We're in the middle of it. You're going to have to say yes or no to your commitment to him. And the more you get consistent, and I know that no one has a perfect, unmitigated run their whole life. But I know that as my commitment is tested, and I win that battle, and I win that battle, I win that battle, I win that battle. We have a phrase. We say, that man is battle, yeah, he's battle tested. He's battle hardened. And then you can enter situations that aren't built for other men who are not battle tested. Our job is to help each other get battle tested. And so that's why when we share things and we have discussions and we run into issues, your guys to your left and right are going to go, sorry, you're going to stay committed. I'm going to call you. I'm going to text you. I'm going to get in your space. I'm going to tell you the truth. You know, I'm, I'm your friend. I'm not your flatterer. Because we need you battle-tested because God is using whatever trial or tribulation is in your life for the next thing, right, that you need to be at a higher base to endure or face or enter. Amen? Because it's coming. I guarantee you it's coming. So God's man is tested to produce endurance. Look what it says in Acts chapter 20. The thinking here is so good. I want you to see a guy who is, who's been tested and his base of endurance is high. Right? It says, when they arrived, he, Paul, said to them, you know how I lived the whole time I was with you from the first day I came into the province of Asia. Let's finish it together. I served the Lord with great humility and with tears and in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. So Paul is saying, I was with you the whole time. And you know what I endured and the context in which I served. I served you in this constant environment of pressure against me. Wow. So Paul's baseline was up here. Why? Because he was in the midst of persecution. He was working in an environment that was constantly against him. Okay? And then what's ironic is that the persecutors were making a stronger man. Can I just tell you something? If you've been in a relentless situation and you've kept the faith till now, Hang in there. Because you know what? God is making like tempered steel. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Bethlehem steel. But, you know, when you make steel, you know, and you make it strong, it gets heated, it gets pounded, it gets folded, it gets cooled. It gets heated, it gets pounded, it gets folded, it gets cooled. And that process is repeated. And then it's not just steel, it's tempered steel. And that's what God is doing in your life right now. Some of you walk through the door and God has God has got you. He's just like, "Oh man, yeah, we got to get this a little. We got to go from orange to red." Right? Then it's out and then now that you're soft enough, right? You've been hard, now you're soft. Thought you were tough, you're not so tough. You're getting melted a little bit and then God's folding it. And now he's just like, "All right, I'm going to make someone new. Bah, 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 bah
bam, 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 bam. And then it's going to take those tongs, cool you off. And guess what? The next fire is coming. Because there is something that God needs to produce in you and through you for this, for this moment out here that he's going to call you to do that other men can't do because they haven't been tested. Amen? Amen. Next, God's man is completed spiritually by endurance. We're completed spiritually by endurance. In James chapter 1, verse 4, it says this. I want us to read this together. Ready? And let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in, yeah, circle nothing. Circle nothing. You know, there's, there's the, the block marble, and then there's the sculptor, and then there's the vision of the sculptor, and then there's these two elements, a hammer and a chisel. And now it's just like, all right, for the vision to be accomplished, I got to lay my hand and the chisel to the hard marble, and now I got to start pounding. Because there's this thing I want to have happen, and it's going to be completed at some point. And I have a vision. You know, guys, God, God's vision for you is Christ. So he started with, I know he started with like a huge chunk of unformed marble in me. But he's forming Christ in me. And so he's got his chisel. He's like, you're going to have to trust me there, 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 and there. And you're going you're gonna to be on your knees and begging me to deliver you out of that. But that's when the big chunks are coming off. right? And then you're going to be in this situation. And then slowly you're going to form. And you're going to transform. And you're going to go from the chump to the champ. Amen? Because I see a champ in you because my son lives in you. And so... You know, you have to kind of subject yourself to that. And here's the thing. The world doesn't need spiritually incomplete men. It's full of them. It needs spiritually complete men who look like Jesus in the way they think, in the way they act, in the way they love, in the way they sacrifice. And right now in our world, it is like a golden moment because masculinity is so broken out there in culture that you can see a clear movement of men who are different. Men who are tough, men who are tender. Men who are sacrificial, men who are servant-oriented. Men who get influence but don't make people suffer because they have it, but use it to bless. You see, God is forming Christ in us, and that's the next wave. But we need to be complete spiritually what it says in Romans chapter 5 verses 3 and 4. Let's read it together. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. No man wants to be immature at an older age. You expect immaturity at a certain age but like Paul says, when I was a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, I acted like a child. But when I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Here's the confusing thing, men. When you have a man, not inwardly, but he has man-sized responsibilities, man-sized relationships, man-sized influence, and you take 
a man with man-sized relationships, responsibilities, and influence with boy-sized character. It produces suffering because he misstewards the influence and responsibilities and place that God has put him. So what do we need the most? We need character. Character is expressed in conduct, but you don't get character. Like, you can't just, like, wave a wand. You got to be tested. You got to endure. That stuff doesn't come, you know, uh, on sale at Walmart. It's like, I'll have, you know, five injections of character. No, you have to actually go into the fire and you have to make choices and say no to yourself and say yes to God and then come out of it. And then your character grows. But through endurance, let endurance have its result. Suffering produces endurance. And you know what? The, the key word in Romans 3, 5, 4 is the word knowing. Circle that. If I'm in the middle of testing and there's no purpose, I'm out. But I know that God causes all things. Everybody say all things. God causes all things to work together. So there's this working together, all right? And if I don't know that my suffering and my faith in the midst of my suffering and my continuing to choose what Christ wants in the middle of my suffering when I'm being tempted to choose my feelings or believe the lies of the devil in the middle of my suffering, if I don't know that there's a process going on and that God is making me like Christ in the middle of that, I'm out. But because there is one, I actually go, man, Lord, you're up to something, something. And it's almost like the more severe the suffering, I'm like, wow, I'm really interested to see what's on the other side of this. Because this sucks. But you are over my suffering. And you have a purpose in it, and you're working it out. And I want to see what's on the other end. You know, some of you just heard me say that, and you're like, does it have to be that way? And do I have to go through that? Yes, the answer is yes. Make your peace with that. Because God's making Christ in you. God's making a, a man out of a boy. You know, it's the only way. Lastly, let's write this down. God's man is blessed by his endurance. Aren't you glad we got to that point? <laughs> You're blessed by endurance. Sounds kind of hard to this point. We need endurance. We pursue endurance. We run with endurance. We're tested we're completed by endurance. God's man is blessed by his endurance. James chapter 5, verse 11 says, we count those, what? Blessed who endured. All right, let's stop right there. Who do you respect in your life? The guy who finished the race or the guy who gave up in the middle? The guy who finished the race, he endured, right? He got to the end. I mean, if you haven't read Unbroken, the story of Lou Zamperini, holy cannoli, it's like, I, I can't think of one earthly existence that had that much suffering in it, but at the end of it, you're just like, you close the end of the book, you're just like, holy cow, how did he get through that? And you know, then, then Lou comes home from the war, goes to a Billy Graham crusade, gets saved, and lives this amazing life, and he gets to, he gets to talk about his story of how he endured the suffering. He's blessed. It says, we count those blessed who endured. Man, I want to be in that group. I don't know about you, but I want to be in that group, right? It says, we count those blessed who have endured. Let's, let's read the rest together. 
you have heard of the endurance of Job and have seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings, that the Lord is full of compassion and is merciful. You know, Job 1 through 39 is like, I don't know, it's like kissing your sister. I don't know. It's like, <laughs> it's like I don't, don't want to do that. But then you read Job 39, Job 40, and 41, and 42, and you just see this beautiful kind of resolution. It's like, Job, I know that it was hard, but you know what? Here's the purpose, and here's the redemptive peace, and here's the restoration, and here's, and here's the greater glory. The, the, the glory outweighs the suffering. The, cru- the resurrection is more amazing than the crucifixion. You know, the, and you just see this whole you know, turn around in this whole glory. And that's why the book is there. That's why it's in black and white. God doesn't feel the need to hide the problems of his people because he's in. He's using the problems of his people all the time. That's why Job is there. It gives us encouragement. And then we read in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, the blessing of another man's endurance, and we're living in that blessing right now. Let's read Hebrews 12, 2 together. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Do you know why Jesus endured? Because you're worth it. Let that one sink in. Jesus endured because Gordon was worth it, and Chip was worth it, and Frank was worth it, and Tim was worth it, and Darren was worth it. Todd was worth it, Bob was worth it, Brandon was worth it, and Justin was worth it. Put your name in there. He endured the cross. That's the joy of relationship with you. So the outcome for Jesus was worth the process. Right? So the question, the outcome of relationship with you, that was Jesus' mentality. As he's enduring, he's thinking, on the other side of this endurance is relationship and then bringing everyone into this amazing relationship that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit have. So this is going to be worth it. So here's the question every man must ask himself. Is Jesus worth it? You were worth it. You've got to ask yourself, is Jesus worth it? And if, if Jesus is worth it, if relationship with Jesus is worth it, no sacrifice, right? no request, no ask, no command is, is big enough for me not to say yes. Jesus is worth it. And I love Galatians 2.20. It's a life verse. If you have not memorized Galatians 2.20, you need to write it on a 3 by 5 card, put it in your car, put it on a sticky note. You need to get this one because this is, this is at the center of walking with Jesus. Let's read it out loud together. Ready? I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. There it is. I don't need to look for motivation. I don't need to be propped up. Jesus alone and what he did on that cross is enough for me. No man has ever done that for you. 
No man's ever done that for me, but he did it for you because he wanted relationship with you. And so that was his mentality. What's my mentality? Is my mentality, you know what, he did that for me, there's nothing he can ask me that I won't do for him. Because on the other end of my endurance is Jesus. And you know what's going to be our bond? It's going to be our suffering. It's going to be both of us. Kind of, hey, you had your Garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane moments too on earth, Kenny, where you could have said, is there another plan? Is there any other way to get around this? And then in other words and in our own spirit, we had the conversation with ourselves and with God, and we said, yet not my will be done, but your will be done. And when we get to heaven, it's the mutuality of that. Jesus said that on earth, and so did I. In this situation, in that situation, in this situation, in that situation. And we endured. And then we come together, me and Jesus. And we're together and we're close because we endured in the moment of testing. And we finished the work that God gave us to do. God, I don't, I don't know the trajectory of your life, but this is what I do know. I do know that many of you in the room right now, you're tempted to give up. And you know what God is saying very clearly this morning? Don't give up. The easiest thing to do is to give up. And I'm just here to tell you, that goal that you have, that dream that you have, that situation that you have in your life, you hang in there. You do what God wants. You do what God wants you to do, especially if it costs you. And have that weird internal sense of, yeah, it's hard, but I feel something happening in me and through what I'm doing that is greater than the cost that I'm paying. Amen? All right, let's bow our heads. God, there's men in the room right now that needed this message more than the oxygen that they're picking in their lungs. Their soul was in deficit, and they were bonking. They were, they were gassing out. And for that man right now, I want you to breathe life into him. Lord, your word says, the spirit of the Lord has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. God, we just physically, just we inhale and we receive the breath of life. And it's a a physical thing, but it's also a spiritual thing, Lord. We just breathe in your power, your energy, so that we can endure just for today. And God, for every man and for whatever challenge or mountain or obstacle is in his way, Lord, I pray that he would fix his eyes on you the author and perfecter of his faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. And that we might say with the Apostle Paul that we too have been crucified with Christ, but it's no longer us who live, but you living in us. So Jesus, live in us. Live in us today. Think through us today. Make decisions through us today. So that the life we now live in this body today will live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. In Jesus' name we pray and God's men said, amen. All right, you got some questions.